Welcome to Tibet Talks, a podcast series from the International Campaign for Tibet. You're about to hear the recording of a live conversation from April 29th, 2021. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and Tashtile. Uh, welcome to Tibet Talks once again. I'm Denji Gyatso, uh, Interim Vice President at the International Campaign for Tibet. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining our episode of Tibet Talks on the recently held Tibetan elections. Uh, today, we'll have two parts to our program discussing the elections and the Tibetan democratic system from two different perspectives. Um, our first guest will be speaking from his experience and observations leading an election observation mission that ICT was involved with during the 2016 elections. And our second guest is a former member of the Tibetan parliament in exile, a friend and a co colleague of mine who will share her views from a Tibetan perspective. At the last segment of the program, we hope to have time for some question and answer. So please remember as you listen in um, to pose your questions. You, the questions can be posed either on the bottom of the live stream here in the comment section if you're watching on Facebook, or if you're watching on our website, you can email them to us at comments at safetibet.org. And now I would first uh, like to bring in, uh, invite Pujun uh, Sinila, our interim president, to give a brief overview and introduce our first guest. Hello, Pujala. Thank you very much, Tenshima. Before I introduce our first guest, let me briefly explain the development that is the topic of today's event. On April 11, 2021, the Tibetans and exiles went through their once in a five year system of electing the Sikyong, the head of the Central Tibetan Administration, as well as members of the Tibetan parliament. This is part of the democratic reforms that His Holiness the Dalai Lama had instituted soon after coming into exile in 1959. Over the years, he continued to encourage further democratization, culminating in the direct election of the Tibetan political leader uh, by the people today. What makes the elections special is that they take place across several international borders and include different voting systems. While all eligible Tibetan voters can vote for the Sikyong, for members of the parliament, Tibetans in the Indian subcontinent vote for 10 members, while those in Europe and the Americas vote for two members each, and those in Australia, Asia, and uh, regions other than the Indian subcontinent vote for one member. Additionally, Members of the clergy can vote for two more members to represent their tradition. This year, over 60,000 Tibetans took part in the election. As I speak, the votes have been counted at the regional level and the final compilation is being done by the Tibetan Election Commission in Dharamsala, the results of which will be announced on May 14th uh, next month. The new Sikyong, the political leader will take office on May 26, while the parliament will take office from May 13th. 
Now, that's a background upon which our speaker today, Mr. Thomas Mann, will be making his presentation. Mr. Mann was a member of the German Parliament, a um, German member of the European Parliament from 1994 to 2019. He's a member of the Christian Democratic Union. He has had a long interest in Tibet and was president of the Inter-Tibet Group of the European Parliament from 1999 until 2015, when it ceased to exist. He's the founder of the Tibet Interest Group and its president until his retirement in 2019. So I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Thomas Mann to this program. Welcome, Mr. Mann. You observed the Tibetan elections in 2011 in Switzerland, and in 2016, you led the Tibetan election observation mission to Dharamsala in India, jointly organized by the International Network of Parliamentarians on Tibet, in part as we call it, and the International Campaign for Tibet. I was privileged to be accompanying your delegation uh, during the trip. Your mission thereafter came out with its findings in a report, including recommendations for the further improvement of the Tibetan election system. You would have known that some of the recommendations found a place in the final uh, amendments that the Tibetan uh, administration did to the regulations governing the election system. So we look forward to your presentation and the screen is yours, Mr. Mark. So thank you very much indeed. First of all, touch a delay. And um, very much uh, I had the opportunity to accept your invitation to participate in the Tibet talks. I would like to make six points. The first one, the Dalai Lama in the European Parliament was almost uh, 20 years ago when we achieved something special in October of that memorable year 2001. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, was able to address the plenary of the European Parliament for the first time in history. This honor is reserved exclusively for heads of sovereign states. It showed the recognition of the Tibetan cause at the highest European level. We had had many works, of course, towards uh, the event of uh, this uh, against the massive interventions and attempts of uh, aggressions by the Chinese people. We, the MEPs from different political groups and the member states, are active in the Tibet Intergroup from, as you said, 1999 until 2019. I was the president of the TIG Tibet Interest Group. But then there was the Caesurea of uh, September 11, when the horrific terrorist attacks. The Dalai Lama, he refrained from all appointments to Europe because of the serious security concerns, except of one, to speak in front of the European Parliament. He opened his very moving speech in October 2001 with his words, I come as a simple monk. He declared dialogue and the peaceful solution to the Tibet conflict. In the long run, he said, China would not escape three areas, truth, justice, and peace. The Dalai Lama, he also visited the European Union in September 2016. There was the seventh international supporters conference in Brussels. 
in front of 250 participants from 50 countries. Shortly after, he was invited by the Foreign Affairs Committee of the European Parliament in Strasbourg. The consequence of the significant stay, China cancelled the visits of already prepared trips of uh, MEPs. We are used to their regular protests and their struggles to suppress Tibetan issues. Second, the democratic direct election of Tibetans. Since many years, it was usual for His Holiness to appoint the Prime Minister of the government in exile, the Kalam Tripa. It was a turning point when in 2001, the Dalai Lama recommended to the Tibetan parliament that both the Kalam Tripa as head and the Kashak, the cabinet, should be directly elected by the people in exile. In addition, the Kalam Tripa should nominate his cabinet members and seek parliamentarian approval to do so. As a result, the 1991 Charter of Tibetans in Exile was amended. This opened up the democratization process. In his traditional annual speech on March 10 in 2011, he announced that he would be gradually hand over responsibility to the elected Kalon Tripa. It was imperative, he said, that Tibetans should decide their own future. Number three, Professor Zandong Rinpoche. In November 2002, I was able to chair a parliamentarian conference in Brussels. The keynote speaker was Professor Zandong Rinpoche, who was the Kalon Tripa for two legislative terms from 2001 to 2011. He is the first directly elected prime minister of the exiled government. More than 35,000 voted for him in two rounds of voting, and he received 84%. Ah, thank God. <laughs> in his first speech after the elections, he said, our struggle for freedom is not only in the interest of the Tibetans. It embraces the tradition of inner wisdom and unique Tibetan culture as a gift to the entire world. His Eminence, Professor Rinpoche, transformed the political system into a democratic system with the rule of law. <clears throat> this includes three pillars of democracy. The legislative, the parliament in exile is a unicameral system. The judiciary, the Supreme Judicial Commission, and the executive, the cabinet, the Kashak, and the minister, the Kalons, make up uh, the executive office of the Central Tibet Administration, TCA. The extensive parliamentary rules and the regulations, including the separation of power, have been constantly implemented. Therefore, Tibetan democracy is rightly considered a democratic system with a high standard of quality. Number four, Dr. Lopsang Sange, on March 10 in 2011, there was another central change. His Holiness, he wanted to retire from his political duties. He handed over all political and administrative responsibilities to the democratically elected Tibetan leadership.
As a member of IMPAT, as you said, International Network of Parliamentarians on Tibet, I was on the election observer in Switzerland. Dr. Lopsan Sangai, he was appointed to office after winning a total of 55% of the vote compared to 37 by Tenzing Titong. One year later, in September 2012, this title was changed to be the first Sikyong as the political head. Number five, the election uh, in March 2016. These elections were a very positive sign for the democratization of the Tibetan leaders. Many European parliamentarians came to different places in the world as observers. I was member of the Impact delegation to Dharamsala. This included parliamentarians from the United Kingdom, from France, Canada and Australia, as well as the president of ICT, Matteo Mekacci. We visited different places to follow the voting. Our conclusion, the elections deserves to be called absolutely democratic. They were conducted professionally, held in secret. The authorization to vote was carefully checked in every case. In the run up to the elections, there had been a very engaged election campaign between the previous Prime Minister Lobsang Sangay, who was seeking the re-election and the Speaker of Parliament, Pempa Tsering. So there was an open competition, plus heated talks, especially in the internet, uh, as well as campaigns by young teams, as in common in other hemispheres. This kind of passionate debates was interesting for me. It was not well received everywhere. For example, Professor Rinpoche, he saw the harmony and unity of the Tibetans threatened by this very contentious election campaign. However, immediately after this announcement of the election results, both candidates exchanged statements of friendship in front of the international press. They reaffirmed their commitment to the common cause and were able to mend fences. Lopsang Sangye, he was elected with more than 57% of the 58,000 votes cast. During our stay in Dharamsala, we as a delegation had the opportunity to be invited by His Holiness. In the ordinance, he was very positive about the democratization process he had initiated. One more thing about Lobsang, whom I think I've met eight times in the European Union and of course in Germany. He was received at the White House in November 2020 as the first leader of the Central Tibetan Administration. Number six, my last point, the elections in April 2021. So on January 3rd of this year, the primary elections were held worldwide, both of the Sikyong, the political leader, and the Chityus, the members of parliament in exile. Never before has a number of candidates been so large at this time. Pem Patsering, the former speaker of the parliament in exile, um, I think he won the primaries. Yes, he won the primaries with uh, 24,500 votes ahead of uh, 
of Lupsang Sangha's special advisor, Dorji Aukatsang, with more than 15, uh, 14,500 votes. I consider the number of votes cast of more than 60,000 to be evidence of the maturity of democracy. In the second round, the voting of April, the turnover was over 75%. Perhaps Pempa Tsering, he won the elections, but the, of course, the official results will be known in mid-May. My conclusion, we in the European Union, we admire the enthusiasm of the Tibetan people to vote. I can assure you that the European Union will never take the issue of Tibet off our agendas. We support the important memorandum of genuine autonomy of the Tibetan people. We agree with the Dalai Lama's middle way approach. We expect that the dialogue between European Union with China to give high priority also to the issue of Tibet. It should be integrated, no doubt. And as the basis of our political action is the respect of human rights, we will not leave the Tibetans alone. They have the right for their language, for their culture, their religion, and their identity. I am firmly convinced that the European Parliament, as well as the European Commission, and the majority of the Council, and also all the European national parliaments, will remain side by side with our Tibetan friends. Tashi Dile. Thank you very much, Mr. Man. You gave a very good overview of the history of the elected electoral uh, developments in the Tibetan community. I'm sure during the question answer session, there may be uh, questions uh, that you will further explain upon. So uh, I hand the screen back to Tenshola. Thank you, Pujula, and uh, thank you, Mr. Man. And thank you for staying around till the end so we can have some uh, question answer sessions also. Um, so now I am delighted to introduce our second speaker today with whom I had the privilege to serve as a member of the 12th Assembly of uh, Tibetan Deputies or Parliament in Exile. So like me, she was born and raised in India to Tibetan parents who, who fled Tibet in 1959 to, to escape China's occupation of Tibet. She has also been an active member of the Tibetan Women's Association, serving as president of the organization both in India and in Toronto, where she resides now as a proud uh, Tibetan Canadian. Uh, she also served on the board of the Tibetan Center for Human Rights and Democracy and has over 20 years experience as a social worker and a human rights activist. With a master's in social work, she currently serves as an advocate for refugee rights and family reunion, overseeing pro uh, refugee programs for, programs for new refugees and new immigrants for an agency funded by Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada in Toronto. So please join me to welcome Tsering Nonzom Tonsur. Tsering Nonzom La, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for the introduction. And it's so nice to see you. 
Uh, I guess it's been ages since last uh, we met the last time. Uh, yes, memory goes back when you talked about, uh, you know, our uh, time in the 12th uh, Parliament Assembly of Tibetan People's Deputy. So, uh, first of all, Tasha uh, Dele to Kuchungla, Mr. Man, Tenchula, and all the supporters of uh, members of uh, International Campaign for Tibet, all the volunteers, all the staff. Uh, it's a it's an honor to be on the uh, Tibet on Tibet Talk, and uh, I really really uh, appreciate and uh, thank everyone at International Campaign for Tibet, including the chairperson, uh, chairperson Mr. Richard Gear, and all the board members uh, for doing an excellent uh, you know work uh, for Tibet. Uh, advocating for Tibetan freedom, for the resolution of Tibetan uh, uh, issue. And uh, your support for many, many years has been very uh, crucial and instrumental in uh, getting the Tibetan issue at the uh, United States uh, Congress. So I just would like to, uh, you know, take this opportunity and thank you. And uh, I'm happy to be here on Tibet Talks and uh, as a a uh, former member of uh, Tibetan parliamentarian, uh, I will do my best to share my memories. Oh, thank you, Sir Nonzumla. And I know you are also an ICT uh, member yourself, so I thank you uh, for that as well. Um, so today, I think um, for our listeners, um, uh, we thought it would be also uh, important to reflect on the history and mechanics of the Tibetan elections in exile. And um, I wanted to focus on that and begin first, if you might um, uh, give a, I know it could, you could go into, uh, it could cover many, many different areas, but a brief overview of the history of the democratic system. Mr. Mann earlier spoke about the recent, more recent in the last de uh, developments in the last decade or so, but could you tell us um, uh, briefly how it began and the degrees of changes that have happened over these uh, so many years since we came into exile. Certainly, Atenshila. I, uh, as a former member of Tibetan parliament, uh, as well as a, a Tibetan, a common Tibetan, uh, I definitely, uh, you know, went back to, uh, re went back and researched on the history and mechanics of the democratization process in uh, uh, Tibetan uh, exile community. And uh, it goes without saying, like all of us, uh, it goes without saying, and it is solely uh, the vision and the uh, you know foresight of His Holiness the Dalai Lama that the Tibetan people have been able to have the uh, democratic uh, system, the democratic uh, uh, benefit, if I may call, uh, and uh, thanks to His Holiness that we all, Mr. Man spoke about it, uh, Pujumla spoke about it, and uh, we all definitely agree that without the guidance, the direction, and the encouragement uh, from His Holiness, we would not have been where we are, where we are uh, today. And so if I look back at the history of the uh, Tibetan democratization or the, uh, you know, uh, election or mechanisms uh, you may call. Uh, I look at it in three phases. 
So oh, the first phase, uh, the history of our uh, democratization crosses into three phases. The first phase would be from the period of 1960s to 1990s. Uh, that is the period when the foundation of our democratization process began. And then the second period would be from the 1990s to the 2000s, where uh, there was an interim uh, process where uh, the democratic uh, process was, was strengthened further. And then from the 2000 until the present day, uh, strong foundation of the democ democratic process was laid down. And uh, it was uh, during these three different phases uh, of our uh, democratic process that His Holiness made uh, tremendous effort, tremendous, uh, you know, uh, 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 change into the uh, community. And uh, we were encouraged to take responsibility and be a democratic uh, uh, citizen. And we were encouraged and forced, I would say, to participate in the democratic process, uh, which was for our own benefit and for the future uh, policy of the Tibetan uh, society. And so when you look at the, uh, we all know, Mr. Mann said that, uh, that uh, we came to uh, India in 1959 when uh, Tibet was fully occupied and invaded by the People's Liberation of Army, His Holiness, along with around over 80,000 Tibetans escaped to live in India as political refugees. We came here not because we didn't have enough food or enough uh, housing or shelter. We came as a political refugees. And so it was in 59, after we reached India, His Holiness uh, had a vision, had a foresight. And in 1960, I think around uh, February in 1960 in Bodh Gaya, you know, in Northern India, uh, His Holiness, when there was a gathering, made an announcement uh, saying that the Tibetan people will uh, go into uh, elections, that Tibetan people will elect their representatives, unlike uh, in Tibet. And uh, he uh, laid the foundation of uh, the first uh, democratic uh, uh, institutionalization and democratization of the uh, Tibetan uh, community or uh, society. And uh, then in uh, 1960, he also he also uh, uh, saw the uh, gave the Tibetans the uh, opportunity to elect the Tibetan parliamentarians. At that time, in 1960, it was called the Commission for Tibetan People's Deputies. And so the first Tibetan uh, parliamentarians were uh, elected uh, in 1960 and uh, on September 2nd. And they were elected on the basis of the three provinces, the traditional provinces of Tibet and five religious sects, which symbolic uh, symbolized uh, the tradition in Tibet, uh, which represented the Tibetan people inside Tibet. And so we were, they were elected on the basis of these two uh, uh, conditions, whether the uh, provincial base and the uh, religious base. And uh, Again, in 1961, the Charter for the Tibetan uh, uh, Future Tibetan uh, Polity was introduced, was announced by His Holiness. He uh, wanted the Tibetans to have uh, uh, a democratic setup where all the institutions of democratic principles were uh, laid down and followed. 
And so as Mr. Man said as well, uh, we had her charter uh, in 1963, the draft a constitution for a free, uh, for a future free Tibet was announced and uh, which was later uh, named as the Charter of the Tibetans in Exile. It came to be a very important document. It is similar to the constitution of any Western countries or any countries in the world. And uh, later, uh, His Holiness as well uh, announced uh, where the Tibetan people and the Kaluns or the Kashak, which is the cabinet, uh, will be also uh, elected and will have more uh, say in the democratic process. So after uh, when the Chitus or the member of Tibetan parliamentarians were elected, the Kaluns or the cabinet ministers were also uh, initially appointed by His Holiness and they took responsibility of uh, uh, operating the Tibetan administration. And uh, so we had our uh, Kasha, we had our elected uh, member of Tibetan parliament, uh, and also it was during that period, you know, from 60s to the 90s, that the office of Tibets in the West and in India were, uh, were uh, established. Uh, the Tibetan settlement offices were established in uh, South and North India, in uh, Nepal and in Bhutan. And uh, it showed that he wanted the democratic process at all three levels, at the national, at the local, and at the international level. And uh, these people, the process of these appointments uh, 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 and uh, elections were encouraged at uh, every opportunity that he had when he addressed the Tibetans on every uh, 10th March. And uh, he made uh, tremendous uh, changes. And I think uh, at that time, Nozumla, um, the elections, uh, weren't, it wasn't directly from the um, um, population, from the masses, but it was representatives. It was the body of representatives of the Tibetans in exile who were electing the deputies uh, at that time. But it was uh, in 1991 uh, when um, the first elections uh, amongst all the exile communities um, uh, was uh, took place, yes? And um, from then, uh, that was a big uh, change, I think. Maybe can you explain a little bit on how that happened and how direct voting from the population uh, the masses uh, started? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, when we talk about the elections, it's always uh, going back to the periods where uh, from uh, 1990s to 2000, as you rightly pointed, uh, the Kalun was uh, uh, nominated and the, he uh, nom uh, uh, appointed his uh, ca uh, cabinet ministers, which were approved by the uh, the Assembly of Tibetan People's Deputies. And uh, the Assembly of Tibetan People's Deputies were directly elected by the Tibetan people. And uh, so uh, in 2001, uh, His Holiness uh, made uh, again a drastic uh, announcement whereby he mentioned that he was going to go into semi-retirement 
and he wanted the Tibetans to shoulder more responsibility in the democratic process. And it was then that uh, Professor Samdar Rinpoche, as Mr. Man said, was, uh, was elected directly by the Tibetan people, and he became the first directly elected uh, Kalun, or uh, the well, Kalun Tipa, as we call uh, the chief uh, cabinet minister. And uh, he elected his, uh, he appointed his cabinet ministers. And then in uh, 2001 to 2010, he was elected again in 2006. And in 2011, His Holiness again made a drastic announcement saying that he was going to devolve uh, all of his uh, uh, role in the government uh, polity, uh, you know, take, uh, remove his uh, authority and powers from the functions of the uh, administration. And he said that he was uh, going to, uh, you know, uh, retire completely. And he encouraged the Tibetans to He's elect encouraging the- all along uh, more participation and more responsibility. And I Absolutely. Think, uh, looking back, um, when you and I were elected back in 19, uh, in the early 90s, I remember for myself, um, it wasn't even something that I had the vaguest um, idea or thought of doing. And it was a time when um, everybody was, uh, it's our Tibetan culture not to put oneself forth. So I, I was like, not me, not me. And then when I looked around and everybody was saying, not me, not me, that's when you had to kind of push yourself and um, step up and now we're in a place where, you know, as Mr. Man said, there are so many young of every uh, age, of every different uh, um, backgrounds who are all coming forth and putting themselves forward uh, as willing candidates uh, to serve the public. So I think um, that's, a, that's a real achievement um, for our uh, community. Uh, do you feel the same as I as we? Absolutely, yes, uh, because if you look at the current elections and also back in uh, 2016, uh, you know, the candidates uh, were so forthcoming. We saw many candidates both in the Sikyong as well as election, as well as the uh, parliamentarians uh, elections. And uh, we saw uh, many, uh, the younger generation, you know, uh, taking part in the election process, campaigning, supporting their candidates, uh, being very active, as Mr. Man said, to, on social media, uh, you know, and uh, uh, taking part in the election uh, process itself. And uh, when we look at the uh, election results, uh, this, uh, the recent one, 2021, we were told that it's the highest turnout where we had about uh, 83,000 registered, uh, registered voters uh, and uh, around 60,000 uh, participated in the final process. So it seems that uh, Tibetans are uh, very uh, active, learning the process, getting used to the process, and making conscious effort to contribute to the democratization of the Tibetan society. And like you said, uh, you know, in my time, uh, probably the same with you, uh, when we talk about, uh, you know, uh, canvassing, we were not used to that kind of uh, culture. For instance, you know, from my experience, my family always taught me to be humble and not to talk about yourself and always ask to work hard and people will talk about you and people will give you the recognition. So, and I never went and uh, 
campaigned when I was elected and I didn't, I didn't participate at all. So are so uh, are you as you. And uh, however, now the shift has changed. Uh, we see yes. a new shift yes. where you rightly said, uh, you know, we see more candidates coming out and, uh, you know, openly uh, contesting, uh, talking about their uh, uh, manifesto or their programs, as you may call, and uh, participating in debates, uh, open debates. So it's definitely a welcome uh, change. Yes, and then especially uh, for women, I think, his own, the, his own has always stressed um, the importance for women to take up leadership roles. And even in the parliament, I think I was there only because there were two seats reserved for women. And that there weren't any women standing up. So now we have two, I, I think the reserved seats still continue, but we it have does. usually more than um, two, three, four from each um, uh, uh, each of the regions who uh, end up coming up. So that's, I think, a real um, positive change positive as well. Change, uh, yeah. yeah. When I look at the stats, uh, I saw that the 15th, uh, there was a, uh, the election of the women are very consistent and uh, the highest percentage was 27 in the 15th uh, parliamentarian uh, period. Uh, we had about, I think, uh, 15 women, 13 women who were elected. And uh, then in the 16th, I think we had 10 uh, members who are uh, women and elected. And so the percentage of the women uh, candidates who were elected to the ADPD uh, since the 1990s has been quite consistent and it has been uh, growing. So which is a good sign as well. Mm -hmm. And also uh, youth participation, right? I mean, you mentioned it, and I want to say stress again how active the youth have been in this current uh, election cycle, not only um, in terms of standing for uh, as members of um, uh, uh, candidates for the parliament seats, but also canvassing on behalf of their um, candidate uh, for the post of Sikyong or election. So that's really uh, a positive side, and also are um, the candidates themselves see the youth as uh, their voting um, base, so they're targeting a lot of their conversations uh, to uh, get the votes from the youth. So I think all of those are uh, really positive uh, steps. Now, I think uh, I want to maybe, you know, some of our audience are probably wondering, how does it happen that the elections take place in so many different countries and you know, who uh, goes to vote, vote and how how does this happen? So maybe could you explain a little bit how um, uh, of that process? Uh, sure. Uh, actually, uh, when uh, the election uh, chief election commissioner and the additional uh, election commissioners, uh, they are the ones who the office of the election commission are the ones who are responsible for uh, conducting the elections of the parliamentarians and the uh, cabinet ministers. And uh, elections are held once in five years. And uh, Tibetans who are, uh, who are above the age of 18 years can participate in the election process. And uh, candidates uh, who are stand for the uh, parliament uh, can be, I think uh, 25 and above uh, can stand 
as a candidate. And uh, for the Sikyong, uh, I think it's uh, 35 and above. And uh, the elections, when they are held, they are held simultaneously in every part of the world, uh, in every corners of the world where Tibetans are settled. So we have the South India, the North India, uh, Nepal, Bhutan, and then uh, we have the West where Europe, uh, North America and Australia. And uh, so the uh, election uh, commissioner has, uh, you know, regional election commissioners and additional commissioners. So through the offices of Tibet, through the settlement offices in uh, South India, North India and elsewhere, and uh, in the West through the Office of Representatives, and uh, in absence of Office of Representative Office, we have the uh, Tibetan community centers. So they are uh, contacted and asked to, uh, you know, take charge of the election process. And then in uh, return, they uh, hold the election uh, as per the direction from the election commission's office. And uh, once the election is conducted, uh, the counting process is done at the uh, local level at the regional level, and then the results are sent directly to the election office, chief election uh, commissioner's office, and then they announce it. Like yeah. uh, Mr. some some areas have as little as uh, 10, 15 uh, members, and the others have 100, 2,000, you know, and more. Especially in the Tibetan settlements, uh, they have more, right? That's right. Yes. And uh, the countings are as well uh, done accordingly, and then uh, the results are uh, uh, transferred to the Chief Election Commission's office, like Puchingla mentioned in the uh, beginning. Uh, May uh, 14th, the formal announcement of the election results will be made by the Election Commission's office. Uh, and uh, so that's how, uh, whether be it the uh, Sikyong or the cabinet uh, ministers, or the parliamentarians or the uh, local Tibetan assemblies. We also have in the communities, uh, in settlements, local Tibetan uh, assembly, and uh, they, as well as the settlement offices, as well as the at the local, at the grassroots level, even the camp leaders, the village leaders, are elected by the uh, election uh, election process through the election process. And uh, so uh, it's very uh, encouraging to see how uh, the democratization of uh, the Tibetan society has helped in establishing at the grassroots level, at the national, at the international level, and how we function just like any normal sovereign uh, country or a govern uh, government and uh, conduct our uh, you know, uh, elections uh, very successfully. Yes, as we uh, said in the title of this talk, a borderless democracy um, That's right. spread across, except for inside Tibet, which we have no access to. Um, so, and also a partyless democracy, because we don't have parties. I remember for as a, when I was elected as a member of the parliament, I felt I represent the whole of Tibet. So I always, you know, thought of it, uh, thought of it uh, that way. So, um, so I think in this also we may uh, be uh, interesting for, we have uh, Tibetan media services of, you know, we have Voice of America, we have Radio Free Asia, we have Voice of Tibet uh, from uh, Norway, and we have uh, independent uh, media in uh, Dharamsala, all of whom 
played, uh, I think, an important role in um, in um, uh, in showing who the candidates are, because we don't, especially in this uh, pandemic, um, you know, situation, people aren't traveling around or you know, canvassing, and uh, so uh, they did a. Uh, uh, very good job of interviewing and uh, uh, explaining who the candidates were, I thought. that uh, Absolutely. Very, yeah. Yes, definitely. I agree with you. And, uh, you know, when we, uh, especially during this pandemic season, uh, uh, crisis, uh, candidates, some of the, you know, one of the uh, Sikyong uh, candidates, uh, Mr. Pempatsuringla, he did not uh, campaign in person. And uh, he just maintained uh, campaigning through the virtual platform. And he uh, had uh, briefings, discussions on a weekly basis using the virtual platform. And so uh, likewise, uh, social media was used. And likewise, the Tibetan media played a very important role uh, during this election, as well as in previous elections as well. And uh, for instance, they, uh, they almost acted like a, a and a watchdog, because when I listened to the post-election analysis uh, conducted by uh, the Tibetan media, they were talking about all the uh, the strengths and the challenges or the weakness of the uh, election process and how, uh, despite the pandemic uh, situation, they said that uh, this election was very successful, organized very well by the election uh, commission's office, and uh, that they were uh, safety measures were maintained, and that uh, people had access to the uh, uh, polling booth without any uh, challenges. And uh, likewise, they also made suggestions on how the future uh, elections can be conducted uh, more uh, in a more better way, where. Uh, party uh, where uh, candidates could uh, participate in more debates so that people have more information and awareness and knowledge about each candidate's uh, experience and programs and manifestos. And uh, they also said that, uh, that this was the by far the highest voter turnout. Like I think they said about 81% uh, or uh, uh, something. And so Tibetan uh, media definitely uh, played an important role. They also did interviews themselves, you know, uh, all interviewed the Sikyong candidates. They all interviewed uh, the uh, uh, parliamentarian uh, candidates. Yes. And so it was a good, uh, you know, uh, polit uh, creating good political awareness among the Tibetan people. And uh, also the candidates themselves were using their social media <laughs> platforms to um, share them. I wanted to mention um, uh, there was also a group of um, uh, volunteer uh, group who put together an online survey, which was interesting also, where uh, called Smart Vote Tibet wow. um, by some young Tibetans from um, uh, Switzerland and uh, here in the United States, where you were um, they reached out to the candidates for their um, uh, with questions that the candidates answered, and then the voters could also go on and answer and see who's can which candidate matched with them. So I think these are all really interesting uh, developments. I want to leave uh, at least some time for uh, questions afterwards. Um, but before we go, the last question for you, Nonsumla, uh, would be now uh, the votes have been. Uh, Cast uh, will be uh, declared on um, uh, 
um, May 14th? And then um, maybe when do you think the uh, new, um, new parliament and uh, new Sikyong will take oath of office? Uh, certainly, uh, I think Pushunla mentioned in the beginning as well. So, uh, 14th May, the election commission will formally announce the results of the elections for both Sikyong and the parliamentarians. And then uh, 26th May, the Sikyong or the uh, president uh, who is called uh, president of CTA, uh, so will be uh, taking oath. And then May 30th, the Tibetan parliamentarians will take their oath. So once the parliamentarians take their oath, they will be electing their uh, uh, speaker and the deputy speaker. And then they will also be electing their standing committees. And then uh, the Kasha, the Sikyong will be, uh, you know, uh, nominating his uh, cabinet, cabinet ministers. Yeah, cabinet and uh, introduced to the uh, to the parliament in exile, and uh, the parliamentarians will be, you know, electing and uh, approving uh, some uh, approving the uh, nominations. And uh, once they're done uh, successfully, then the election process is uh, complete, and uh, the new uh, president and the cabinet ministers will form the. Uh, their office and uh, run the office, and uh, the Tibetan parliamentarians uh, will uh, similarly, you know, uh, run their uh, tenure and uh, meet uh, twice a year, uh, six once in six months. Thank you, Nandamla. At this point, uh, we're going to see if there are audience questions. I'm going to ask Saman uh, and Pujula. So, uh, for those watching us. Please, if you have questions for Mr. Man, Mr. Pujula, uh, Nonzumla, please post them in the comment section uh, under the stream. And also, you can email them to comments at safetibet.org. And for that, I have been shared here by my colleague Ashwin, who's watching the comment section. Uh, one question here. It says, the question is, um, there's been a decline in democracy around the world in recent years. Last night, in his address to Congress, President Biden said America needs to prove that democracy still works. Uh, what role do you think Tibetans have to play in preserving uh, global democracy, especially since China is the most powerful authoritarian <clears throat> government in the world? As usual, China wants to be the hero. He wants to dominate everything, and very often, unfortunately, it's dominating everything. Also in European Parliament, yes, we had our monthly talks, um, and we invited nuns and monks, ex-prisoners and journalists and professors and so on. But all, very often, the people from China, they tried to interfere because they said it's absolutely impossible. We are there, and also they have too many people there trying uh, to block our work. But uh, we never stopped it. And when you see what we have done on the political base, so uh, we had many urgency debates. We had debates about the situation in uh, Tibet, the re-education camps, and also the importance of the reincarnation, and uh, also about the third pole, and so on. So we made the everything possible. 
so that we are doing is something against the domination of China. Um, in the end, uh, you also you have to have the invitations by with His Holiness and also the um, the next um, leader and uh, the to make it very uh, often in the public. I remember very well in Germany, the a former chancellor, he said no, um, because of uh, the important role of China, we cannot have a Tibetan leader in the parliament. But Angela Merkel, he invited him and he said, okay, of course you are here and you are elected. And of course you have the right to be there. So it's not easy. We will never stop our, with our voice. We will never stop with our resolutions. And we will never stop to convince also other parliamentarians. Uh, we um, have to have the power because we are based on human rights. And it's a question of human rights affairs. Everything is based on human rights. So never stop. And uh, that's what we've done in the European Parliament. And also when we had the contacts with national parliaments in the European Union, not only in Switzerland, where the people are there in Tibet, highly um, accepted, no doubt, but also in other parliaments. And then we had the opportunity to, to invite them to be there in front of the parliaments, in front of committees. That's what we have done. Yeah, uh, sure. I completely agree with Mr. Mann. And uh, I would like to add that uh, the uniqueness of the Tibetan democracy is, you know, the institutionalization of the uh, Tibetan uh, administration, the Tibetan grassroots offices, uh, the office of Tibet. It all uh, proves that, you know, when we talk about evidence-based uh, outcome, uh, in social work, we talk about evidence-based outcome and change and development is so important. So Tibetan the Tibetan society is a classic case where change and development uh, has happened at all three levels, the micro, meso, and the macro level at all three levels of uh, society. And it's thanks to His Holiness that we have been able to have this uh, democratization process. And it we stand as a role model to the international community. You know, we can be set as a role model and say the Tibetans have been such a successful, despite the, uh, their weaknesses, their challenges, and uh, shortness of resources, limits of resources, they stand as a successful refugee uh, community, uh, whereby democracy is practiced uh, completely uh, at the, all levels. And uh, we can send a strong message to China by saying, you know, China needs to improve its uh, democratic uh, process. It needs to introduce democracy in China so that the Chinese people and the Tibetan people and the Uyghurs, everyone, the minorities, can have a fundamental right, freedom, and uh, democratic uh, setup. And uh, we need to send the strong message to China saying that the Tibetans' practice of democratization has definitely uh, proved that we are serious and we are committed to improving the uh, society following the modern principles of democratic process. Thank you. Um, next, um, Pujan, would you like to? No, I'm fine. Anything? Okay. Um, next question we have from uh, Kama Benzom is, uh, would you all know how the elections in Nepal were observed or ballots collected since Nepal uh, restricted the right to assembly? Nonzumla, maybe you've been following what happened there? 
Yes, uh, I was sure, uh, you know, I heard through the news saying that uh, the election chief election commissioner uh, stated that uh, although in the preliminary election, they did have some challenges, but in the final elections, uh, he stated that uh, the election uh, process was conducted and uh, smoothly and they did not have any challenges. Uh, but I'm not sure about the count at this moment. Uh, uh, however, the uh, final elections, uh, I was, he stated, uh, went uh, smooth. So one question that I had also, in the earlier conversation uh, with you, Mr. Man, you mentioned, I recall, um, where you said in a democratic system, we have to learn that there are no winners or losers. And, and that it is learning to uh, compromise. So I wanted to, you know, we've also had uh, heated debates and, you know, when you rally against a person really hard and then um, that your, your wish doesn't come true, then you have to overcome that afterwards in the end. And that's part of the democratic experience uh, that we have to also learn. So can you speak uh, to that, Mr. Man? Um, I think the winners, they are, first of all, is the Tibetan society. Because so many, they voted. Yeah, I think this is so important. And when I was there as an observer, I saw the people also from very small, um, not cities, but towns, but uh, groups there. And then with enthusiasm, they voted. So this was the most important one. And the other one, of course, you should have a competition. It's not a problem. It's not against democracy, but just, just not the opposite. You have to have some candidates more. And if you are talking with the other one with respect, and of course, accepting the other one, that's great. But uh, unfortunately, in these times of uh, internet, and uh, as you said, it's uh, our, uh, the problems with the health people there, and they are not able to move. We have a COVID-19 and so on. So uh, what, what can we do? We should use the internet. But there are news, but also, unfortunately, also many fake news. So it's very important that the people are believing in a democratic way, that they are, first of all, are able to vote. Secondly, that they have many candidates also, and they are not the others are the winners or the losers, but um, uh, also the losers have the chance the next time to be winners again. So perhaps as in your country, I don't know the results now, but. Uh, um, perhaps it's possible, what I said. So, and also we have to fight against fake news and we have to do it very clearly. The people are only able to identify the problems when they know what's, what are the contents. So what are we doing? What, what are we doing before? In my opinion, the most important is that you're talking about the contents. You should have a very clear program in some clear words, not, not too difficult, and perhaps not too intellectual, but also to make it very clear so they were able to integrate the people there. And especially the young ones, they are not only there for um, playing games and um, using internet uh, by corresponding about uh, some um, <clears throat> not high-ranking ideas, no, just the opposite. Many young people, as here in, in Tibet, um, we are also in European democracies. Many young people are there also as candidates and they have their small teams there and they are fighting, but in a very fair way. So this is the most important. Please don't think at winners and losers. In the end, democracy is the winner. 
I quickly want to add to that as well. Uh, you know, in the end, I just wanted to say that uh, the election process uh, is very, very important to the Tibetan society. And uh, when you look at some of the pictures uh, in the media, in the Tibetan media, you have old Tibetan amalas, you know, mothers, uh, when they cast their vote, they have the vote and uh, they pray. And uh, even youngsters, uh, younger generation, I saw some of them, you know, having the ballot and praying that may the best candidate win. And so we have a special responsibility as a Tibetans, unlike other Western countries, we have the responsibility to represent the Tibetans inside Tibet who don't have a voice. So we not only represent ourselves who are in exile, but we also are voice of the Tibetans inside Tibet. And so we have a special responsibility and uh, it is very unique that we have to, you know, uh, do uh, take our responsibilities and uh, participate uh, in a very fair way uh, in the elections. And we still have a lot to learn. You know, it's a learning process. Our democracy is still at infancy, if I may say so, if I may allow uh, say so, we still need to go a long way, but we are making a lot of progress. And I said, as we also need to keep in mind, you know, uh, about Tibetans who cannot read and write. Here in the West, you know, accessibility is key. You know, mobility challenges, accessibility and uh, translation interpretation, those are very, very important uh, process and uh, those Tibetans in the society uh, in the settlements who don't know to read and write can access this so we can't listen to the internet and the social media so fake when fake news uh, happens uh, they uh, fall they may you know fall into trap so uh, finally you know uh, I think we are doing very great uh, good and uh, it's thanks to the vision and uh, foresightness of His Holiness the Dalai Lama that we are all enjoying the fruits of the democratic uh, process and the democratization uh, setup in our communities. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you uh, to both of you for this uh, interesting uh, conversation uh, that we've been uh, having. Really appreciate, we have a lot to learn and we have uh, still a long way uh, way to go and uh, th thank you for sharing those sharing your wise uh, words here and for our listeners and all the Tibetans who took part in the uh, election uh, for all those who candidates um, all our best wishes for those uh, who will be for the incoming and for all those who participated um, uh, all of it um, counts and makes us richer and makes us uh, our democracy better. So thank you to everyone and thank you for our panelists today. Thank you, Tenshila. Uh, thank you, Bhujula. Thank you, Mr. Man. And uh, that brings us to the end of our program today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Please remember, you can uh, listen to past programs on podcast or YouTube as well. Um, thanks again, everyone. Have a good afternoon, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tibet Talks. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Learn more at savetibet.org slash pod. 
to find out how you can get involved in our efforts to promote human rights and democratic freedoms for the people of Tibet, please visit SaveTibet.org support. Thank you and see you next time on Tibet Talks.